Don't be a signboard. What is a signboard, if I may ask? What is a signboard? A signboard is a board displaying a sign that is amongst the many definitions. It's a sign displaying, it's a board displaying a sign to direct travelers. Amongst the many definitions, I chose this particular definition because I am looking at somebody on a journey going somewhere okay let's say you are journeying to a particular destination and then you need direction so you meet a signboard that directs you that tells you that this is the way to take take left take right when you get to the runabout don't go to the left go to the right it's a board with a sign a board displaying a sign to direct travelers have you ever had this experience where on your journey, traveling somewhere, let's say you are traveling to Cape Coast, and then you got to Winneba runabout, and then the signboard told you don't go left, but continue straight ahead to Cape Coast, and then all of a sudden the signboard that directed you to go forward started following you until when you got to Cape Coast, you were with the signboard together at Cape Coast. Have you had that experience before? I'm asking a question. Isn't it? experience like that why did I give this example I'm saying so because signboards never accompany those they direct they are only stationary they are only at one place they don't go anywhere they only point you in the right direction and that is all you will certainly get to your destination but the signboard still remains at a stationary position are you getting the picture? That is why I asked that question. Have you had any experience? Maybe there's somebody here that by the time you got to your destination, the signboard was also with you at home or wherever you got to. If there is nothing like that, then when we say don't be a signboard, we simply mean that don't point people to the right direction, yet you yourself aren't going in that same direction. And remember, this is the end time. The Bible says that the times of ignorance, God overlooked. The times when we did not know the truth, God overlooked it. But now he commands men everywhere to repent. The end time is so delicate such that if you do not take extra care of your own soul, if you do not endeavor to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, you may be acting as a signboard. You may be preaching the truth, all right. You may be directing people in the way of godliness, in the way of righteousness. You may even preach the gospel and get people saved. People can be translated from the kingdom of darkness into God's kingdom by your preaching. But this is the end time where God wouldn't want us to just be directing people 
in the right way, yet we ourselves are not ready to go that way. Hallelujah. And what I'm telling you, I'm telling myself first and foremost, and I'm telling everybody who cares to listen. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor once again, don't be a signboard. Will you please tell your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians, the book of Philippians chapter 1. Let's take it from verse 12 through 18. Philippians 1, 12 through 18. Don't be a signboard. Can I read it, please? Philippians 1, 12 through 18. Paul writing. Remember, Paul was in prison and when he wrote to the church of Philippi. He had preached the gospel and as a result, he was put in chains and put in prison. Think about it. How many of us have gone to prison because of preaching the gospel? How many of us have found ourselves suffering for the sake of the gospel? But here is a man who could write, for instance, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, he could tell the church, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. He was not in a palace and telling them to rejoice. He was in prison, in chains. Think about it. Hallelujah. I want to announce to anybody here who may be mourning or crying or grumbling because you have found yourself in an unpleasant situation. In that same situation, you can rejoice. Hallelujah. I said, if you choose to rejoice in your situation, you put the devil to shame. Tell your neighbor, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. But in chapter 1 from verse 12, look at him writing from prison. He said, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Hallelujah. Can you get me, just lend me your attention once again. No wonder the same Paul, the apostle said that, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. He said, I want you to know, brethren, that the things that have happened to me have rather turned out to the veterans of the gospel. They thought they were putting him in prison, not knowing the gospel was, was going to reach some people who, under normal circumstances, would never have heard the gospel if not because he found himself in the prison of the king's palace. Look at verse 13. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Hallelujah. All the guard, you know the soldiers who guard in the king's palace in that prison yard, all of them got to know that this man is actually here because he preached the gospel. Not because he committed murder. Not because he committed any, any atrocity. But because he told the truth. They all got to know that. Ah, so this man is in chains because of the gospel. Look at verse 14. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Hallelujah. Did you get that? Most of the brethren having seen that the man was ready to die for the gospel, said, well, we too will die with Paul the Apostle. Whether in chains or in pleasure, we will preach the gospel. So they became bold and confident just because they saw Paul paying the price. I pray that in this end time, you will pay the price. Even if they persecute you, insult you, call you names, whatever, just endeavor to be a representative of Jesus Christ wherever you are and preach the gospel, explain the gospel. Verse 15, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife. And some 
also from goodwill. Let's stop at verse 15. I will go through 16 through 18. He says, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife. I want to ask a question. Is that possible? Is it possible for somebody to preach Christ? For instance, I mean, this is a man who is in prison. What are you envious of him about? I'm asking the question this morning. I hope you are in a family setting. So please talk to me. Don't, don't just listen. This is a man who is telling us that he, he in preaching the gospel has found himself in prison, in chains, yet some chose to preach the gospel out of envy. And I'm asking, what is envious about a man who is in chains, probably must have even been beaten and kept in the prison yard. What do you envy him about? And yet, he says, some indeed preach Christ out of envy and strife. Wow. Then he said, and some also from goodwill. In other words, they had good intention. They want to preach Christ out of goodwill. But some were from envy and strife. Let's go on. Maybe we'll get it. Verse 16. The former, that is the one who preaches Christ out of envy and strife. He says the former preach Christ from selfish ambition. Did you hear that? Selfish ambition. Not sincerely. Supposing to add affliction to my chains. Wow. I can give you an example. For instance, do you know that Paul the Apostle was a Jew sent to the Gentiles? And he loved his Jewish nationality. I mean, his Jewish people so much said that in Romans, the book of Romans, he, for instance, made a statement that, oh, I wish that all Israel would be saved. It's like he had a burden, a passion. He knew that Israel were the true custodians of the gospel. The nation Israel were the people that the gospel was first preached. Like he said in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Paul knew that the gospel was first given to the Jews. They neglected it. And so he had this kind of passion that you are the first to have received this. You've rejected it. I wish that you get the message. So oftentimes, although he was sent to the Gentiles, oftentimes he found himself going amongst the Jews wanting to explain something that they didn't get. And anytime he went amongst the Jews, you know what the Jews would do? They would say, aha, this is a man who used to preach this message that until, until you are circumcised, you are not going to heaven. You are not part of Christ. And they will preach that kind of message to the Gentiles that Paul the Apostle was sent to. Paul the Apostle was not sent to preach the gospel of circumcision. Whenever he found himself among the Jews, the Jews would want to create trouble for him by telling the Gentiles that, look, this man is adding affliction to your, your, your bondage already. They want you to be circumcised before you will get born again. And yet that was not true. That was just to misrepresent the gospel so as to add affliction to his chains. They wanted him to get into more trouble simply because they were envious of the man. Hallelujah. I don't know what is envious about somebody who is in chains and in prison. Hallelujah. Some indeed, okay, verse 16, said the former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Look at verse 18, my last verse. What then? 
Only that in every way, someone say in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. Somebody say amen to the greeting of the word of God. What is it then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth. Meaning that there are two things we are looking at here. Some preach the gospel out of pretense and others preach the gospel in truth. Preaching the gospel out of pretense is what I call being a signboard. Are you there? I said preaching the gospel out of pretense. And remember, in the previous verse, we, said, we saw that they preached the gospel out of selfish ambition. What would you want to achieve by telling a story that you yourself do not stand for or believe in? Why would you choose to point people to the way of salvation, yet you yourself, you are not going there? Tell your neighbor, this is the end time. And God wants us to repent from being signboards because the end is so close. We, we cannot, and I wouldn't say you, I'm including myself, we cannot keep telling the gospel, preaching the gospel, yet we stand for something else. That is selfish ambition. Some may preach the gospel because they want to make a name for themselves. Probably they want to be known that this is the best preacher in town, with the best chapel in town, with the best, you know, with the largest congregation in town. That is a selfish ambition. Some also preach the gospel because they have discovered, so to speak, that whenever you gather people in church, that is how you can make money. Come on. If you want to get money, business is out there. Church is not for money making. Are you there? I said church is not for what? For money making. Don't be a signboard. Some also preach the gospel because they believe that, wow, by gathering people out there, I can become famous. Some wanting popularity or fame would just, you know, put some structures together, gather some people, and decide that out of whatever selfish ambition, they too will go and tell something. And you can just hear that the man's message or the woman's message doesn't even agree with what he's even practicing. That is a signboard. Hallelujah. And this end time, God is warning you and me, don't be a signboard. Hallelujah. I said, don't what? Be a signboard. We can no longer pretend, people of God. We can no longer pretend. The end is so close that one of these days, the trumpet is going to sound. And the Bible says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, we shall be changed, and together we shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. God encourages you and me in this end time not to forsake the assembling of ourselves like we have assembled this morning. The reason, one of the major reasons for our assembling together is to encourage one another, spur one another on, drag one another along, Bible says, even of some, we should snatch by force, pulling out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted with the flesh. That is the book of Jude. There are some people we must snatch by force. You just know that the man is called, the calling of God is on his life, but he has a different mission for preaching that gospel, pulling by force. How do you do it? By first praying for that individual. Hallelujah. 
By first crying to God that Father, I know I can sense that your call is on this man, your call is on this woman. But he is preaching out of pretense. He is telling the gospel, but with a different mission. It's a selfish ambition. He is only a signboard. Woe betides us, people of God, when we shall arrive on the judgment day and God looks at you and says that, depart from me. I don't know you. You workers of iniquity. How will you feel? After laboring, probably you were healing. You were delivering. Do you remember the seven sons of Sceva? They were casting out devils. I want to believe that that was not the first time they attempted casting out devils. Probably they've been doing it and they were getting results. Never forget that somebody can preach in pretense and will still get results. I hope you know that. Why? Because the Bible says that when we become unfaithful, God ever remains faithful because, who can tell me because what? He cannot deny himself. So when you say in the name of Jesus, he, God, will respond to that name. Because he cannot deny that name. That is his name. So he will respond. Yet, it's, it, it may be possible that you, using that name, you do not stand for that name. You are only a signboard. So on the last day, you come and say, Father, but I cast out devils in the name of Jesus. He will tell you, well, I cannot deny myself. Even when you're unfaithful, I ever remain faithful. So I responded to that name because that's my name. Don't forget, even the devil is God's employee. Except that his name is not in the payroll. Tell you about the devil. Even the devil is God's employee. Listen, God can employ any creation of his to do his job. He can employ anything. There was a time they came to Jesus. They wanted him to pay tax. And then Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, don't worry. We are not supposed to pay tax as citizens. However, just to fulfill all righteousness, you just go to the riverside and catch fish. The first fish that comes out, just open his mouth. You will find gold in his mouth. Come and use it to pay the tax. And it happened. Hallelujah. You will find gold. I said you will find gold. Oh, in the name of Jesus Christ. That's a, the, the gift of working of miracles. If Jesus did it, he didn't do it because he was God. He did it because he was operating a gift. May that gift be imparted to our lives. In this end time, may you find where access to gold. When you think that where would the resources come from? May God show you where to get your resources. In the name of Jesus Christ. Peter catches the fish and gets gold out of his mouth. That is God's creation. If God can use fish to provide resources, he can use any vessel, any creation of his, including the devil, because the devil is not a creator. He is a creature. So the devil, even the devil, is God's employee. The only difference is that his name is not in the payroll. So God doesn't owe him any thanks. On the last day, God will tell him, well, there were some battles I allowed you to just bring the way of my people. But I allowed that same battle to turn around for their good. But you, I don't owe you any thanks. He was, I mean, he, he's only a signboard. Tell your neighbor once again, don't be a signboard. Don't. Don't be a signboard. This is the end time. The end is so close that we must run the race together, holding our hands together. In this end time, can I say this? Lone rangers will not survive. I said what? In this end time, lone rangers will not survive. When you make yourself champion, you know champion, you and you alone, you are all in all. 
you and you and nobody else. You will not survive because the battle has become so sophisticated that lone rangers can easily be hit by stray bullets. There are arrows that are flying from everywhere and the enemy's target is to finish us before the end comes. He wants to frustrate us. But glory be to God. God wants us to team up together, shopping one another, spare one another on, carry one another along until we all see Jesus face to face. Hallelujah. This ministry stands for helping this generation work with God. What I'm telling you is birthed out of a passion. Because I know that in this end time, the beginner... Mm? You may begin so well, but if you don't take care, and if you do not caution yourself, and you do not put brakes in your own speed, you may arrive, and God may tell you, I don't know you. Listen, the things that we cherish, the things that we hold on to, the things that we use selfish ambition even to get, Peter tells us, he says, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved. Sometimes we get so attracted by the beauty of this life, but Peter says, seeing that all these things that you hold on to shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all godliness and holy behavior? If you are aware that the things that you are holding on to one day shall be dissolved, it will mean nothing in the world to come. Why are you ambitious selfishly to attain that thing? What name do you want to make for yourself in this life when that name shall mean nothing? Before the name that is above every name. Because when we arrive in heaven, it's not about anybody's name. It's not about Abraham's name or Moses' name. It's about the name Jesus. Hallelujah. That we shall honor him and glorify him alone. Like we will sing. They say, and we shall see him face to face. We shall see him face to face. We shall see him face to face. And crown him Lord of all. He is Lord of all. Nobody is Lord. We are but brothers of the master. That is the ultimate goal. Don't do this gospel work with selfish ambition. Don't be a signboard. Hallelujah. It will pain the heart of Jesus. Having paid this great price. Having died for you and me. Having laid down his life. And after he has done all these things, you even came into the, the sheepfold. You became a member of his body. Like Judas. Judas, the Bible said that he was a thief. There was a time, listen, there was a time somebody spilled oil, ointment upon the feet of Jesus. And the perfume, I mean, filled the whole room. Then Peter said, I said, Peter, Judas said, why this waste? <laughs> why what? This waste. He called it waste. What can you spend on Jesus that would be waste? I'm asking the question. When the man shed his blood, died for you and me, what amount of money can you spend on Jesus? That will be waste. But Judah said, why this waste? Then he said, it could have been sold and given to the poor. <laughs> look, look at his heart. But the Bible says that, but this he said, not because he loved the poor, but because he was a thief and that he held the money's back. He was the one. Whenever people gave money to Jesus' ministry, he was holding the bag. As a thief, he needed that precious ointment to be sold so that when the money comes into the bag, as a thief, he will collect it. Don't be a signboard. I said what? Don't be a signboard. As a thief, 
He said, ah, why this waste? You are wasting money. But you know what? Finally, to show that his heart was not sincere and he was not ready to repent, he went to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and said, what will you offer me when I let this man, you know, come into your hands? I want to betray him so you can arrest him and do whatever you want to do with him. And you know his intention? His, because he was selfish and he was pretentious and he was not sincere in his mind. There were several times within the three and a half years they had worked with Jesus. There were several times Jesus escaped the hands of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There were several times they came around. They wanted to lay hold on Jesus. And Bible says Jesus slipped through their hands. So Judas knew that just as it had happened before, it will happen again. But he will collect money. So he sold the master for, for 30 pieces of silver. He collected the money and then he told the Pharisees and Sadducees that, look, I know where this man always resorts. He is in the garden by now. He is always a, a, you know, a night prayer man. He was always watching and praying in, the, in Gethsemane. So I will show you. But they had become so, you know, uh, what do you call it? They, the disciples looked so similar. You know when you work with somebody for a long time, you begin to look alike. So it was difficult for them to identify that this is Jesus and this is Peter and this is John or this is James. So he gave them a sign. Oh, when a kiss can become a sign of betrayal is a dangerous one. He gave them a sign that the one that I kiss, he is the one. Lay hold on him fast. Else he will escape like before. Glory be to God. Hmm. I said, don't be a signboard. Are you there? This is a man who was with Jesus. The finance minister of Jesus' ministry was ready to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. That's a signboard. Pointing people in the right direction. Don't forget, before that time, there was a time Jesus sent 12 people. He gave them power in the book of Luke. And the Bible said they went about and healed people, delivered people, cast out devils. So, Apostle Judas had cast out devils. He had been a healer, a deliverer. He had preached the gospel in the name of Jesus. And people had believed, people had been converted. Yet he himself was not sincere. He was only a signboard. It's too dangerous. It's too costly. Hallelujah. It would have been better you were not born than to be born into this world only to pretend before men and arrive and God says, I don't know you. What kind of waste of time is that? Hallelujah. So, Judas comes to the garden and gave Jesus a kiss. Oh, shakahatega. This kiss is dangerous. Hallelujah. It is like Delilah. Do you remember Delilah? Hey. Delilah said that, oh, come and lie, you know, on my lap. He put Samson's head on her lap and started massaging Samson. He said, tell me your secret. This was the third time. Tell me your secret. You have, been, you have, you have, you have you know, told me a lie two times. Tell me your secret. And Samson, Samson, Samson. But Delilah didn't mean it, I'm telling you. She was only looking for a way to betray Samson. I pray that God will not raise us as, I mean, we will not raise ourselves in the presence of God as betrayers. Hallelujah. No, God cannot raise a betrayer, but we may make ourselves a betrayer. In fact, concerning Judas, it was said that as for the son of man, he needed to be betrayed. But woe betides the one 
through whom he's betrayed. It, will, it would have been better he was not born. It could have been any one of the twelve. When your heart is not sincere, you only open the door for Satan to enter and use you. Are you there? When your heart is not sincere with God, that is a doorway. I don't think that Judas, you know, was right from birth. That, okay, this one, chin chin by all means. Because we are free moral agents. Judas could have repented at any point in time. Like Peter repented. Do you remember Peter also denied Jesus? In fact, I think that Peter's own was worse. Yeah. Peter's own was worse because this was a man that told Jesus that it doesn't matter where you go. I will go with you. If you are going to die, I will die with you. Then Jesus looked at him and said, that, Peter, even before the cock crows, you would have denied me three times. Peter said, it will never happen. Master, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm dying with you. I'm dying with you. I'm going with you all the way. All the way to Calvary. I'm going with you. Jesus didn't say anything. Lo and behold, on the day when it mattered most, three different people came to Peter. First one said that, you look like, you know, I told you, they looked alike. Ah, but you look like him. Even your, your speech betrays you that you are one of them. Peter said, me? I don't know the man. I don't even know his address. What are you talking about? I don't know him. Please, please, get out from my side. Another person came, said, Peter, ah, this man, you, are you not a Galilean? I saw you amongst them. Peter said, please, I don't know. I curse from the day that I was born. If, it, if he started cursing. Then a young girl came to Peter and said, ah, I saw you once upon a time amongst these people. You're one of them. Peter began to curse and call. Oh my God. Then immediately the call crew. And Jesus turned and looked at Peter. And Peter said, the man said it. <sighs> to the extent that even on the day of crucifixion, do you know everybody had deserted Jesus apart from John and the three Marys? Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, the, the Mary, Mary called Cleophas. That is the, the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and then Mary Madeline. These were the four that were around. Everybody had deserted him. And Peter, I'm telling you, felt that this one, I don't think I'm gonna, ever going to be forgiven. So he wrote himself off to the extent that when Jesus rose from the dead, do you know what he said? When, when, when he met the Marys, you know, at the, at the great side, he told them that, go and tell my disciples and Peter. He mentioned his name. So go and tell my disciples and Peter that I'm risen from the dead and that they should go ahead in Jerusalem and meet them. If he had not mentioned the name of Peter, I'm sure Peter would have just excluded himself. He just knew that this one is unpardonable sin. But let me tell you, your sin, it doesn't matter how gross it is, can be pardoned. It can be forgiven. If you can only be sincere with God and say, God, I am sorry. I know I messed up. I know I did the wrong thing. Pardon me, Lord. He will. He will because his blood is that efficacious to wash away whatever sin. But unlike Judas, I mean, Peter, Judas, unlike Peter, rather, Judas, I'm saying Judas, unlike Peter, after he had betrayed the master, he thought that, oh, as they are going, the master is going to slip through their hands and then he will escape. Lo and behold, as a lamb led to the slaughter, he didn't open his mouth. Judas was looking on. What's happening here? What's happening here? Ah, but I know that this man, he has always escaped several times. He's going to escape. Okay, let's watch. Let's watch. Ah, then they started beating him. Judas said, what? What's going on here? The man will not escape. 
No, this is innocent blood. So he just took the 30 pieces of silver, went back to the Pharisees and Sadducees and said, see, I have betrayed innocent blood. Please take the money and leave this man. The Pharisees and Sadducees told him, look, it's, it's a done deal. <laughs> this is an un unchangeable deal. What have you got to do with this one? Get out of here. And out of remorse, this is not repentance. Out of remorse, shame for what he had done. Instead of repenting, the Bible says he went and hung himself. Whew. To the extent that he, he burst open and his inner intestines and everything just poured out. Blood was everywhere. So they called that place the field of blood. Even to this day. That nobody touches that place. Nobody, you know, it's a field of blood. It's like an unclean thing. Nobody comes around. This is somebody who made himself a signboard. In the book of Psalms, it was prophesied about such a person. That hey, his bishopric let another man take. That he may go where he ought to go. How many people think where Judas went to? I wonder when we go to some places... And then you see somebody who was a murderer or who was a sinner who never got born again. And then on the day of his funeral, that is when you are praying that God receive his soul. It never works. And just as it is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. So there is nothing like the person is, is dead and yet he can receive purgatory. Where you'll be paid from his sins. So let's pray for the dead. There is nothing like that. Are you there? Don't be a signboard. Satan knows that in this end time, many people want to escape. So he too has strategically positioned himself. Before you even make up your mind, he will just shoot one arrow that can end you dead. And before you realize, instead of going into the kingdom, you end up in eternal damnation with him. That is too great a price to pay, brother and sister including myself. It's too great a price to live this life only for you to end up in eternal damnation. It's too costly. Your soul is so precious that Jesus Christ had to come and shed his blood to make you receive remission of sins so you will come into his eternal kingdom. Don't be a signboard. Hallelujah. I said don't be a signboard. Be a true representative of Jesus whether at home or abroad. Whether at home or in the field. Wherever you are. God wants sincerity. Hallelujah. I like that song. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. All his wondrous compassion and purity. Then the song says, Oh thou spirit divine, all my nature refined till the beauty of Jesus is seen in me. How many know how to sing that song? Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. All his wondrous compassion and purity. Oh, thou spirit divine. All my nature refined till the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. He wants the beauty of Jesus to be seen in us. That will become a message to those who, are not, who have, might not have heard the gospel but must be given the opportunity to believe. But when you are pretentious, when you are not sincere, if you don't take care, you can even make people blaspheme the name of Christ. The Bible says because of some people's behavior, the way of truth is evil spoken of. It's like, because of you, they are now, it's like you are adding insult to injury. 
You are now adding affliction to Christ's affliction. You are crucifying him afresh by your misdeed and misbehavior. How can you be a preacher, an elder, a child of God, and yet at home, and yet at your workplace, and yet in your community, they don't know you to be so? How can that be? You are only a signboard. Maybe somebody admires you the way you are so sanctimonious in going to church, dressed up neatly, and yet there is a lifestyle, there is a behavior that offends Christ and puts some people off and can even say, take them to hell. That is only behaving like a signboard. Don't be a signboard. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. God is calling us to repent. This is the end time. The Bible says that the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he calls everybody to repent. He calls all of us to repent, myself inclusive. Let's repent. Hallelujah. I don't know why Jesus loves me. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. He sacrifices life. Oh, that I. 